Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we revisit our old friend VDI, so settle back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to uh, this week's edition of Tech Interviews. I'm recording this uh, NetApp Insight in London, so, um, so there's a little bit of background noise, but um, hopefully not too much. Um, and on this week's topic, we're revisiting uh, the seemingly never-ending topic that is uh, VDI, Virtual Desktop Infrastructure, uh, but maybe taking a slightly different look at it and, and a, a way that the, the market and, and the requirement is perhaps changing. Uh, so to help us do that, I'm joined today by uh, Lars James. Hi, Lars. How are you doing? Hi, Paul. I'm very well. Enjoying Insight. Here in London. So, well, that, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good day. Um, I, you know, and I think it's uh, it's kind of a bit of a new event, this for NetApp, in, in terms of doing this as a one-day event, doing it in the UK as well, which is, is good. And it seems to have been a, a really well-attended event, um, uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of really interesting buzz around, I think, what, what NetApp have been talking about. But, um, but anyway, we're, we're not, not here to talk about Inside London, uh, as exciting as that has been. Um, but what we did want to touch on was something that we, we kind of spoke about earlier on, which was this kind of evolving world that is VDI. But um, before we do that so maybe uh, for people who don't know who you are why don't you introduce yourself uh, tell people kind of uh, y- y- your role what it is you do and uh, yeah d- let's do that so um yeah i'm lawrence james otherwise known as loz so everyone knows me as loz anyway um yes so i cover the sort of hyperconverged products all of the storage grid products um what we call the you know, sort of hybrid cloud infrastructure projects products you know um and my job title is Products and Solutions Manager, so I work across all of that, those product lines across Europe. Yeah, it's a busy job, lots of different um, use cases, uh, lots of different dynamics. And yeah, one, one thing that's sort of bubbled up to the top of my agenda is VDI and sort of next generation VDI, if you like, and how it's changing, what's driving it. So, well, well let's, let's kind of delve into that a little bit then. So, so why don't you set the scene a little bit? Uh, maybe a good place to start, actually, is for, you know, I mean, I, I use the phrase VDI as though everybody knows what we're talking about. So maybe, maybe set the scene a little bit about what, what we mean by VDI and kind of what the market looks like currently. Um, yeah, it's a, um, so VDI, so we probably all know it as um, maybe Windows application serving or, you know, a, 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 a version of Windows that is provisioned to a thinner client, whatever that client bit might be, whatever that, you know, the end user device has been changing and is, there's a... There's a lot of them about now, you know, so uh, it's very different from a screen that sat on your desk that was a thin client many years ago with a version of Windows Vista served from a central server. But the idea is still the same, you know. It's just that the content that is um, required, manipulated, managed has changed over that time. And it really is, it's being driven by a lot of our expectations our requirements our increasing need to consume consume even richer content yeah so now if you look at it you know our younger generations they think nothing of downloading massive videos you know watching those as they as they walk along the street you know all points in time 5g is going to drive a lot more consumption of a lot richer content and it's those, those sort of things, that richer content and the consumption of richer content that's going to drive, I think, the next generation of VDI. I mean, it's quite a big market worldwide, um, and it depends what you look at. Actually, getting to the analysts 
view of market size is quite interesting. If you go to VMware, you get one view based on licenses. You don't really see much that's based on the number of seats that are shipped or you know what that market size is in terms of dollars. I, I saw one figure that mentioned end-user computing, which is another way of looking at that whole virtual desktop market and they were reckoning that it's annually it's you know it's going to be by 2023 i think it was some like 12 billion dollar market worldwide okay so it's not insignificant it's being driven by consumption of new richer media and it's not just you know playing videos as you walk along the street obviously you know so if i take well, I'll take, for instance, medical. That's the first one. We'll have a look at maybe utilities next. Next, So medical's a good one because, you know, if you look across a standard hospital, for instance, I come through the front door and I immediately hit the admissions desk, you know, and they're the guys that are pretty much procedure driven. So they've got a fixed procedure. They've got security they would go to, but they have to go through a template, templated procedure to actually get somebody into a bed. Once they get into a bed, then the nursing staff take over and they are you know, they're much more knowledge-driven. So you've got these procedure-driven or task-driven type users, you've got these knowledge-driven users, which are nurses, you know, they don't, they're trying to manage the situation. Uh, and then you've got the clinicians who are the power users, if you like, in, the, in all of this, who are looking at images of whatever it is this patient's come in with to try and determine what the course of action is, what they've got, how they need to treat it, all those sort of things. So you've got three, in that scenario, you've got three classes of user, really. You've got, you've got somebody, procedure-driven, task, templated. You've got the knowledge user who really needs to actually manage the day-to-day. And you've got the power user. And you can imagine that their desktop requirements across that piece are different the what they consume what they put back in and what they extract from the system is different you know and and that's what's driving so this end user experience really because because even at the task level the admissions in this hospital case that i'm sort of going through even at that level, they're wanting to ingest and put into the system even richer media. You know? it's, in, it's, it's an interesting area because I, cause I think one of the things, and actually why I was kind of describing some of those use cases, uh, the thing that keeps coming through to the, the back of my mind is that, you know, the, the, the idea, we often hear this, um, we almost hear this kind of comedic view of the year of VDI. Every year is going to be the year yeah. of VDI. Yeah. And, and often it isn't um, and, and I think but, but it's interesting that the way you're kind of describing it and it's part of the problems you think with VDI is actually the rapid changing need that the end user it has is. and the end user device has because I think to, you know building a VDI infrastructure is not straightforward they're quite a complex and sizable thing if we think about it in a traditional delivering a full desktop out, out to a client so, so did you think that's the kind of thing that has maybe made it difficult to deliver VDI if we look at it as delivering full desktops out to people it's this kind of constant changing requirements and the kind of the core technology doesn't keep up yeah i think it is in the past i think you know and um where we are with well okay on 4g you can do some delivery of desktops when 5g gets here and it's all its glory if it actually does deliver then you can see that that those 
and provided the back channel from the mast into the data centers and what have you isn't the limiting piece which is something that else needs to be looked at it's all very well having high speed to you from the mast to your device but what about behind that you know you're going to build your data center on the mast da 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 but let's put that aside a minute and let's assume that that's all going to be what they promise it to be you know in terms of the way they you know the, the speeds that they're, they're promising just phenomenal okay then 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 some of those things you spoke about in terms of the limitations and the fact that it never really delivered did it you know i, I agree with your point that there was lots that lots of organizations that that went down the road partially went down the road but never actually really pushed it out and people still had fat clients sitting on their desk you know now i came from a thin client world I won't mention the name of the, the company, but a, a really thin client world where you just came in with a card each morning and your whole session just followed you wherever you were in the world. It was, it was quite phenomenal. That was a few years ago. That was 10 years ago, in fact. So the ability to actually, what is just display information, you know, is and has been there for a long time. Yeah. Now, of course, we've got to move even, you know, that, as I said, even richer content around. And we've got to enable different modes of operation, I think, you know. And so, so we always used to talk about the online day. I mean, okay, lots of companies follow the sun now, but the online day used to be nine till, I don't know, six in the evening. And then, well, what happened then? Did you just sit there and idle for the rest of the time? No. I mean, what you can do now is repurpose it. You can just automate it to repurpose to a, a, a new application. Um, maybe do analytics work overnight. Maybe do some modelling overnight, um, and then switch back to the online day first thing in the morning. So you're ingesting data during the day. You're processing. You're collecting that data, and then you need to process it overnight. So you know. So we've got several solutions now that actually go into that sort of mode of operation where you 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 know you can satisfy the task users type, and even they're changing. So I spoke about admissions. So if you take utilities as an example, one thing that came across very strongly to me was I had reason to call out the gas man to fix a boiler. And they said to me, well, can you video what the fault is and send that into just ping it over to us? Um, we'll have a look at it. And so... Uh, they weren't doing that 10 years ago you know so so she's she or he is sitting in front of a terminal in uh you know as a, a, a service representative somewhere they're ingesting even richer media which they can then get to the engineer so by the time they turn up at your place to fix the problem after the work's done and then it turn up with the wrong part which often happened yeah and still does but you can so you, you're right it's evolutionary it's dri- and it's becoming not driven by the vdi application i think that's where a lot of the sticking point was it's being driven by the end user requirement now you, you know it's all turned on its head end user computing now, what is our consumption model what do we need to service how does that need to look how's that data going to be pushed to us what different types of use, what different modes do they operate in? Do we need to relieve the, leave the resources I bought idle overnight? No, I don't. And then a good example of that is, well, okay, if I want to change mode to overnight, I've collected all this wonderful, rich, superbly rich data during the day. What am I going to do overnight? Okay, I'm going to do some modelling. I'm going to do some, fi- some finance. 
for instance and I want to just model share price you know uh, variation and to give me a prediction for the next day well okay I could I could switch over to um, my GPU mode overnight and do analytics modeling of the data I've collected today so next when the next working day starts I have got my financial model of the prediction of way the way certain shares are going to move and um, this, this sort of stuff is sort of bread and butter it's pretty much already been done but you can see that it it is about it's about richer data it's about mixed modes and it's about you know delivery of results feeding back into 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 the the user the consumer yeah so it's interesting that kind of description, and I think um, you know the idea that uh, that you know that, that we should be looking at end user requirements rather than technology. You know, it, it probably shouldn't be a surprise to us that maybe that's what we should have always been doing. You know, it, it's looking at the outcome, but but I think you're starting to see this a lot across the industry at the moment that the that we're starting to increasingly get to grips with this idea of to focus on an outcome. What's the thing that we actually want this thing yes. to do, and then let's try and make you know map appropriate technology but i think you know to, and vdi potentially is a good example of this where we have deployed a technology because somebody thought centralized virtual desktops were a good idea so yes. you deploy technology and then over time you find out that technology doesn't particularly work so if we were to as you said turn this on its head a little bit and focus on what do we what, what's the outcome that we're after yes. and then how do we build that so so suppose that leads on to the idea then so so if we take if we're going to take the idea that VDI isn't necessarily now about delivering lots and lots of desktops from some central desktop repository, you know, some big box full of desktops somewhere, um, how um, how is that changing? You know, so so how is VDI architecture changing to reflect these kinds of um, business requirement changes? Um, well, I think it is. So I mentioned GPUs. So um, you know, the ability. I mean, because most VDI applications will today take advantage of GPU technology and GPU technology highly parallel yeah so that that was its its raison d'etre that that's you know so you you've, you you can find in VMware you can find in Citrix so VMware Horizon, Horizon View and Citrix Zen Desktop two those are the two dominant infrastructure software plat you know platforms for VDI that everyone knows and loves each of those you can get them if you've got GPUs available to take advantage of those GPUs today. So that's that's all new. I think that you know that, um, uh, the ability to scale on your terms I think is important. So you can scale those GPUs and you can scale scale the, the the more traditional general compute nodes as well independently. So so we you know we spoke about mixed modes. You know, your standard in, Intel Xeon GP, uh, CPU still has a place, maybe for supporting a fixed number of task-based users. Uh, you don't know how that's going to grow, potentially, unless you've got really good capacity planning and you've got really good performance forecasting, uh, which you should have, which we all hope you've got. But, but you know, that might be a suitable technology for that class of user. In the middle, you might have, uh, you know, different... You might have another set of uh, Xeons with different, a whole different reach of um, clock speeds, capability. And at the high end, you have, might have a complete mix of traditional and, and GPU technology. So, you know, 
I don't know, NVIDIA, Tesla's CUDA cores, you know, so that that's where the parallel processing is done, you know, in, in those cores, which is highly suitable to a lot of what VDI is about, you know, delivering s- screen updates from a central point over a, a fast network um, and be able to scale that on your terms. You know, I think that that's the direction we, we're, we're, we're going in, but supporting multiple different types of users concurrently and multiple modes of operation concurrently as well and doing that and automating that yeah i don't want to gone are the days where i have a vdi server i think and bringing together so so you that's the way it used to be you know i'd have my vdi server i'd have my database server you know i'd have my web server and they all used to be on you know i can't maybe on the same next uh, network but all separated and not particularly close to each other and not particularly well integrated um now with converged infrastructures you can bring those together run them concurrently and control the resources that they consume concurrently on the same infrastructure so i think that's a way forward as well i think that's changing so you know i can run my database i can run my my web server my front in my shop my shop front if you like and i can run my 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 vdi services and my analytics and all the rest of it and my modeling in different modes different times of day all concurrently within the same infrastructure well th- i think that's a really interesting point because one of the uh, i suppose one of the areas that always made VDI adoption quite difficult was the cost of that infrastructure you know I think yes. people would necessarily would potentially look at VDI as a way of saving money you know we could put cheap devices out yes. on the end uh, on, on the user's desktop um, but that that saving that you'd have with a cheap couple of hundred pound device uh, maybe out on yes. the desktop as a thin client was more than consumed by this yes. huge infrastructure so so we're saying now that, that that actually because processor technology maybe particularly but maybe storage technology as well has moved on to a point where actually sharing those workloads on a single single server platform yeah. is way more realistic now than, than it ever was before oh i think it is yeah so it's a hyper-converged infrastructure that's that's where i would look uh, you know, a to, to to meet the demands of the current modern organisation that has you know, well, I don't want to go for the same grade, but all those mixed modes of operation, all those mixed t- user types. Every you look at any organisation, they all have them. They all have their power users. You know, they all have their knowledge workers, and they all have their their task based workers. You know, it, it's 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 a common model, and they yeah, okay, they've got some points in between all of that. But I I, I get that. And they may have their power users may be extreme power users, you know. So very high resolution, 8K graphic graphics that they need to manage. Perhaps they're doing CAD CAM. Perhaps they're doing I don't know uh, some sort of design, and they need really high resolution. Perhaps they're doing the the um, well, we saw it here inside, didn't we? We heard it this morning. DreamWorks, you know, all of that sort of really high um, resolution um, media work you know to create frames on a desktop but the actual grunt work is done at the back end you know all of them is that a term paul grunt work can i use that i I think grunt work (laughs) is uh, indeed a valid technical term carry on yeah this is my yeah okay i once was a capacity and performance planner you know i did all the graph work and we did usually call it grunt work but you know you get what i mean it's it's um uh, yeah 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 (laughs) 
So all, all the grunting, uh, which, which is great. So, um, well, I, I, mean, I suppose if, if I'm listening to this, uh, uh, you know, I'm somebody who's making IT decisions in, in an organisation, and maybe I've looked at VDI before and thought it's not really for my organisation, commercially doesn't fit, technically doesn't fit. You know, what, what would you say? What, what would be some of the characteristics you might look for to say, actually, you know, you, you have the potential to perhaps have a VDI project, something that maybe you'd, you'd want to go and reconsider and look at the kind of the evolution of the technology? Well, so you mentioned cost, and one of the costs that often get dropped got dropped out of, of VDI was actual management of the you know the the fat client desktops because well it's probably less so today but in the past and they still need um, some management you know I I, I I I go back and think of the IT crowd pool when I think of this you know have you switched it off and switched it on again you know but you know what I mean you know you needed an army of people sat in a basement somewhere just managing your hundreds of desktops now okay so if you're a a, a, th- a 20 or 30 seat site and that's usually how it was measured wasn't it you know how many seats have you got bloody bloody but oh, this is how many licenses you need to support that many seats with windows x whatever that would have been you know um so <laughs> yeah you know that's so that's sort of still applies but the the 30 20 30 seat organizations may not it may still be cost efficient to stick with a fat client model yeah whereas you start getting above that to 30 to 60 you might well find that uh, just a few hci compute nodes coupled with a small amount of flash storage with just standard Xeon CPUs meets your needs and allows you to run other stuff. We're talking about other, you know, the, the mixed modes of operation of the users, but the mixed mode of operation and the ability to control each of the workloads intelligently. So, you know, most organizations, even small ones, have got some sort of database. You know, they've got some sort of shop front these days that feeds off that database, which they do all of their, well, they, you know, whether products, widgets they're, they're, they're selling or offering to the market or services, um, common model. So I think you know anything from from uh, thirty to sixty up, you you, you might want to think about that that sort of hyper converged infrastructure type type model to to service that workload, but simplify and automate what you've got in your server room won't call it a data center because in those organizations it's typically not you know but server room to simplify and automate it to the point where you you know management costs are are reduced but of course i mean some of those smaller organizations are looking to the cloud now yeah, and I think it's interesting to see that that, that is um, a kind of a natural progression for VDI as well. I think a lot of, you know, you're starting to see, we saw some big Microsoft announcements earlier, well, back end of last year, around the virtual desktop as a, as a service yes. model or remote desktop as a service model. You know, so, so it, again, has potential. But, uh, I mean, we mentioned at the beginning we're recording this at NetApp Insight here in London. Um, so, obviously, NetApp have some um, some solutions in this kind of space. So, so what, what are NetApp doing to help um, their customers to so where, where VDI is a fit for them, what are NetApp doing to help their customers adopt that kind of technology? So you know, we mentioned converged infrastructure, and we came to market well, well, well over whatever two years ago, nearly two years ago now, with our hyper-converged infrastructure, and you know where it's different in that in that you can you can scale compute and storage independently of one another. So in a, any sort of environment where you, you know, you need to forecast 
the scale of one independently of the other because in my world and I, as I said I've worked in capacity planning and performance management for a long long time linear growth of one or the other does not exist I never found that ever now okay it may be different I may just be an old guy that you know that's how it was in my day but you know you either need one or the other because either I had some compute bound workloads or some storage bound workloads or a mix of the two and I needed to have some intelligent scaling of one or the other or both but in the on my terms that's basically what it means Paul you know I've got to, I've got to scale it on my terms so that so hyperconverged already hyperconverged infrastructure allows you to do that so running so running things like VDI alongside a database along workload alongside some sort of web web workload yeah web presence type workload customer facing workload um it makes sense to me to be able to do that and to be able to automate that platform to the point where I can you know, easily um, uh, provision, manage, configure, deploy new elements of that engine as it scales out and also that it's low risk. So in other words, you know, if I get a failing component in there, it self-heals uh, it, and it does all of that. Um, you know, for instance, you know, I used to get hit by downtime failed disks, hard disk drives. Oh my God! Right, okay, you know, and the disruption they used to cause back in the day before any any sort of protection. Now we're sort of used to protection. We used to raid levels of raid, and even those have become a, a pain in the neck because rebuild times lead to risk. Re- rebuild dooms on some of these fatter SSD you know, on these fatter HDDs are just extreme yeah I, I'm at risk of having another spindle failure potentially in that time so we did we did the, we did some things with HCI in that which I really liked you know the fact that everything every block in there is duplicated so we get a failure failure um, it reduplicates the block immediately I can replace the SSD and I can get that done in 10 minutes now you try doing that on a 15 15 terabyte hard disk drive and it's going to take you 24 hours to rebuild it once you've replaced it on an ssd it's you know on that flash technology it's completely different yeah so things like self-healing if i lose a tray at lunchtime uh, that's unheard of if i lost and i'm not i've seen a tray disappear but if you lost one that's how long it takes to re-protect itself mm. so the business risk during that time is minimized Absolutely minimised. I know, and so I really like those sort of aspects. The, the independent scale minimisation of risk is is, is is critical. The fact and the fact that I can make choices on the number of so license software licensing has always been a big issue. In fact, it could become much more. It costs you much more than the actual infrastructure itself. Yeah. You know, you, you sit there worrying about what you're going to put up on. You, then you look at, I don't know, certain flavours of database licensing and I'll mention no names but you can probably tell who I'm talking about you know when you, when you start getting licensed by the core and I know it's, there's different flavours of licensing for everything but when you're licensed by the core the number of cores you've got in play matters because I don't want to be paying software licences for cores that are idle I just do not want that you know it's, it's the ability to scale on my terms from a software point point of view and that may well affect VMware Horizon view it may well affect Citrix but I want I want to scale so it 
fit for purpose on my terms and I'm paying what I need to pay for. I'm not paying for for wasted cycles. That's really important in my view. Why would I give money to somebody else for something I cannot use? So so um so the whole software licensing piece, the whole um you know core licensing has to be taken into account in my view. In fact that you know, I, I, we hadn't spoken about software licensing, it just popped into my head and I thought, <laughs> blimey, yes that's you know well, uh, I mean, it certainly sounds like the, the idea that we have more powerful, more flexible hardware and, and infrastructure deployment methodologies um, is potentially maybe removing some of the limitations that perhaps we've seen in the past with VDI. You know, let's say it's that requirement for specific infrastructure, some of the costs that goes yeah. with that. You know, if we've got more flexibility, then it sounds like that maybe we can remove some of those factors. And perhaps that more that flexibility allowing us to react much more quickly to kind of ever changing end user end user yes. requirements and, and have the focus around the outcome we're trying to deliver yes. as opposed to uh, you know the focus being on buying a particular technology to deliver yes. to deliver VDI. So um, so well, that's been really interesting stuff, Lars. So um, if people want to find out a little bit more about uh, what NetApp are doing in this space and maybe you know if they've they've got follow up questions to this and would like to hunt you down online, yeah. uh, what what's good ways of doing that? Well, so uh, my my. Uh, email address anyone could email me or they, well, they can find me on Twitter Losdy James at Losdy James on Twitter they can find me on email at lawrence.james at netapp.com um, good pages to visit are the EUC end user computing pages on netapp.com so there's a lot of pointers from those pages into uh, different use cases different um, success stories where people have actually gone out and done it and what they found and um, uh, and also in the infrastructure you would lay it on so you know um, HCI for instance I mean there are others you, you don't you're not I'm just saying that is a, a very efficient route to go down in my view there are other um, uh, solutions you can you know you may go on to just a, a FAS platform. You may want to protect your existing inv- investment in in, um, in server technology, for instance. So lots of different options. But HCI I really like if, you, if you're thinking of, 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 of renewing and driving efficiency, driving automation. Well, it's great, Lars. Um, I'll make sure all those links go in the show notes as well. And um, But for now, hey, thanks for being on the show. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Always a pleasure, Paul. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you do enjoy the show, why not leave us a review and subscribe? You can find us in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you've got an idea for the show or would like to appear as a guest, why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. So, until next time, thanks for listening.